We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. We got a big episode today. Happy Friday to everybody. We are previewing Oregon football's 2022 spring game, the first spring game in three years, I want to say, where fans have been able to be in the stands. A lot of people are getting excited to pack Otson. Is that right? Let me see. 22, 2020, 2021. In 2022 so yeah call it call it three years give or take um but yeah we're going to be pre- previewing the spring game for the ducks going to be talking about some players to watch uh what we're excited about a little bit of recruiting as well you know we have to talk about recruiting uh here on the ducks dish podcast but before we get into all of that kindly ask that you guys if you're watching make sure that you lock in with us on all our social platforms first one the probably the most important one is to follow me on twitter at M Taurus Sports, that name right there on your screen, wrong side. There we go. Uh, and then you also, if you're watching on YouTube for that multi-platform excellence, make sure to subscribe to the channel and smash the like button. Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can find me. And then also make sure you head on over to Ducks Digest. That's where I'm posting all my written content, a lot of awesome photos covering the Ducks for Sports Illustrated, like I alluded to in the intro. Uh, and then we're also Ducks Digest on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, all that good stuff. So, with that, all that being said, um, I'm going to start off with a quick story. Uh, we'll see. We'll see who the real ones are. Um, I was tweeting earlier this week, or maybe it was last weekend, how I lost my AirPods, or I should say, a singular AirPod in my AirPod case. I've still not found those. That was a tremendous L. But you got to own up to your L sometimes. And then I had another one <laughs> recently where I placed uh, a sparkling water. You guys probably see me drinking these a lot. I placed a sparkling water in the freezer, left it overnight and forgot to take it out. And then was uh, promptly greeted by an exploded can of Spindrift. So really looking forward to cleaning that up, but I just wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, Appreciate you guys for tuning in wherever you're tuned in. Let's get going on this preview. Man, Saturday is going to be a huge day, right? Duck day is, is what they're calling it, what the University of Oregon is calling it. we got a huge day, chock full of Oregon athletic events, and we're going to give you a rundown of the itinerary. This is from a press release that was shared with the media th- uh, this week. So here we go. Uh, 10 a.m., 
Oregon relays start at Hayward Field at 10.30 a.m. The Autzen Stadium East parking lot opens. 11 a.m., we got Oregon soccer against Seattle U at Pape Field. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we have the pregame Fan Fest. I believe that's at the Mashovsky Center. Uh, so someone might have to double-check me on that, but I believe that's where it's at. And then at 11 a.m., fan shuttles begin to run to Autzen from Valley River Center. 12 p.m. noon, Autzen Stadium gates open. And then 1 o'clock is when the Oregon football spring game begins. And then we got some live music. Common Kings live concert on the HDC practice fields, which is pretty cool venue to have a concert at after the spring game. And then after that, 3 o'clock p.m., we have Oregon baseball versus Washington State. Coos coming to town. Ducks facing off at PK Park. And then you have at 4.15, the next event as we wind down here, high-performance window begins at the Oregon Relays over at the beautiful Hayward Field. Brand new, massive screen. Uh, you know, I was going to say scoreboard, but I don't know if that's the right term for track. So you guys got to make sure you check that out. And then 5 p.m., Oregon softball against the Washington Huskies at Jane Sanders. So nice to have a little bit of a rivalry feel, uh, obviously, to that game. So plenty of awesome, of awesome stuff to uh, to be going, to participate in. We also have some um, some um, salute to service events that are on the docket. So that'll be cool as well. Big reminder, you guys, if you're heading to Autzen Stadium for the spring game, uh, fans are encouraged to bring non-perishable food items to donate to Food for Lane County. That's a huge annual fundraiser that the Oregon Ducks community always just crushes. So make sure you guys can help out and keep going there. Keep that uh, keep that going. But hey, let's hop into this spring game preview, kind of what we're going to be watching, uh, some players that we're watching, and then as well as some um, some recruiting, like I alluded to earlier. So you got to start a spring game preview with the quarterbacks, right? That's what everyone I feel like is so excited to see right now, and understandably so. Last year, Anthony Brown was the quarterback, and there were some highs and there were some lows, um, but you know it was overall a, a pretty touch-and-go, uh, hot-and-cold season and, and, and underwhelming play from the quarterback position. So it feels like a little bit of a fresh start. you got some young talent in that quarterback room. Kenny Dillingham comes in from Florida State. you got new coaches you know, from top to bottom, pretty much as far as your on-field staffers, Adrian Clem uh, running that offensive line, Junior Adams running the with the wideouts, and we got Drew Merringer with the tight ends, Carlos Lachlan uh, with the running backs. So whole new staff. Let's just run through some of these guys that are going to be playing quarterback. Uh, one notable update is that we did get uh, the spring game yellow and green team quarterback rosters it's going to be jay butterfield and bo nicks on the yellow team for the quarterbacks and then it's going to be aj abbott and ty thompson on the green team i thought that was pretty interesting because when you see the ty thompson being the lone scholarship quarterback on the green team lends it to lends itself to believe that he's going to get a lot of snaps and we really haven't seen much of ty thompson Aside from our limited viewing period in spring practice and then the Stony Brook game after Anthony Brown got hurt, Ty Thompson came in and took that game over and played pretty well and threw an interception in the Colorado game when, when that game was pretty much put away. So Bo Nix, I'm going to be watching his decision-making because he made a name for himself as a, a big-time playmaker. Uh, I think the play that resonates the most with me from his time at Auburn was when he almost got sacked against LSU and then rolled out like crazy in the pocket and then threw it against his body for a touchdown. That's all great. That's all fine and dandy, but 
Bonex has been known to uh, have some of that bold play result in turnovers, and that's not something you want as an offense. So how does he balance that, you know, having those risky plays, but also making sure he takes care of the ball because that's something that really hurt this Oregon offense last year, particularly in the passing game with poor reads uh, as well as the RPO game as well. So that's what I'll be watching for with Bo Nix. I don't think he's the uh, most physically imposing quarterback on this Oregon roster. I think a lot of people would agree that that's Ty Thompson, who we're going to talk about next here. Ty Thompson's physical gifts just pop off the page. The dude shredded. Uh, I think Nate Costa in that Kenzano piece was saying that he was regularly clocking 60 miles an hour on the radar gun, which is pretty crazy numbers, especially for a guy who's really just beginning his college football career. You'll recall that he is the highest rated quarterback to ever sign with the Ducks uh, coming out of Mesquite High School in Arizona in the 2021 class. What are we going to be looking for for Ty Thompson? Let's, let's, let's break that down. I'm going to be looking for his composure and how he's doing processing the game. I thought his composure was great when I saw him, particularly in the in the fall camp scrimmage that we got to see last year. Uh, I thought he did a good job of staying composed in the pocket and, and not running too early. I think you see a lot of guys that have those wheels, particularly young quarterbacks. Maybe they don't stay in the pocket as long as they should. They don't let the play develop. I'm not saying that's the case with Ty, but that's still nonetheless something that we want to watch for. And then the processing, how, how is he doing with processing the speed of the game, processing the different looks the defense is giving him, picking up blitz, making those shifts in the alignment with the offensive line, shifting protection, audibling, all, all that stuff uh, all goes into what a quarterback has to ultimately uh, digest while he's playing, running the offense. So that'll be what we have an eye on with Ty Thompson. How big of a jump? Probably too too early to say just from one sample in the spring game, but certainly as we get from that to fall camp and closer to the start of the 2022 season, how big of a jump has he made from his true freshman season to now? And then Jay Butterfield. We cannot forget about Jay Butterfield, uh, the tallest quarterback in the Oregon room of the scholarship quarterbacks. I think he's listed at about 6'6". Uh, still has a relatively slender frame. But, man, I, I love watching Jay Butterfield in those Oregon practices. He has a really simple, clean throwing motion, just has a beautiful deep ball uh, when I was watching him practice yesterday on Thursday. so But I think some people have those those concerns about his, you know, how his demeanor. He's a pretty reserved, quiet guy. So I'm going to see, you know, how, how is he commanding the offense? You know, is he is he barking out orders? Is he... Is he bringing that intensity? I'm not saying that's something you need to see per se. I mean, we saw with, with Marcus Mariota how he played when he was at Oregon. He was and Herbert. They were both those kind of lead by example, quiet natured guys. I'm not saying it's the same case with, with Jay, but from the times we have talked to him, he is pretty pretty soft spoken. And then, what kind of execution do we see from Butterfield? Um, I think he he has shown in the past that he has the ability to thread the needle and, and throw it into some pretty tight windows. But just how how does he? How does he look just in this offense and what, what kind of mobility does he have? Because he's definitely not as fast as Ty Thompson and Bo Nix or as quick, but I think he kind of has some underrated athleticism is, is what we've heard. We were talking to Seven McGee earlier this week and I, I asked him to talk about Jay. And I, I think if I'm recalling this correctly, he said that Jay was a, a silent assassin. So plenty to watch for with, with the quarterbacks, not really expecting that battle to be concluding at the end of spring ball, but this will be our largest sample size of some real live action playing uh, aside from the limited viewing that we've seen in practice, like I said earlier. So 
a lot of eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks. So figured that was a good place to start this one off. But the running backs, we got to talk about the running backs too. Um, don't want to, don't really feel like we need to talk about Byron Carwell too much. He's really viewed uh, as the favorite to win the running back, the starting running back job right now, as I think he should be based on what we saw last year and his comfort in the or- in a, at Oregon. Although it is a new playbook, so it kind of feels like it's a little bit open there. But the overall theme with the Oregon running backs is carries are up for grabs for the first time in so, so long. I believe it was four seasons that they've just had CJ Verdell and Travis Dye. And those guys were both awesome players. But I'm really excited about these running backs because it's just an opportunity to see something new, right? See some new guys and see what they have to do. And uh, I want to talk about Noah Whittington. He comes over from Western Kentucky with Carlos Lachlan. He's been fun to watch in practice as well. On the 2021 Western Kentucky roster, he was listed at 5'10", 190. So a little bit more slight of frame. But I've said a couple times, and you guys can see in the pictures that he's in really good shape. I think he has a unique blend of speed and power. And he can really be a special back in this Oregon offense. Um, He's He's got some good finesse, as I've seen with a couple of the cuts that he's made when going on one-on-one against linebackers and defensive backs in practice so far in the spring. So keep an eye out for Noah Whittington and just see what he can do uh, with this Oregon offense. And then Sean Dollars. we got to talk about Sean Dollars, right? Came to Oregon as one of the top all-purpose backs in the country in the class of 2019. Had to sit behind the likes of Travis excuse me wow uh had to sit behind the likes of travis die and cj verdell really just did his time and then when it looked like he was hopefully making some progress he he suffered a pretty significant knee injury around this time last year and that sidelined him for the entirety of the 2021 season sounded like we might see him in november late november is what the previous staff was saying maybe even in the postseason but sean dollars ultimately never saw the field last year so talk about a guy who's on a mission in spring ball just ready to show people, I'm sure the coaches, but also the fans, what he has in store. We saw some flashes of him in the 2019 season against USC in that Pac-12 championship game. So he's looking to kind of pick up, pick up where he left off and show some people that he is ready to go, that he's 100% and, and he's motivated to just put his best foot forward and, and get involved in this offense. I think Whittington and Dollars really probably demonstrate the they present themselves rather, I should say, as maybe the the uh, more natural pass catching backs. It's because Byron Carwell is what I want to say five eleven, six foot, around two ten. So he carries a lot more weight on that frame and can be viewed as more of a power back. But I know Landing was saying he wanted to see a little bit more from from Byron catching the ball out of the backfield. So that would be a great great development to see in his game. But those three guys are someone some guys to keep an eye on. And there's a number of walk on running backs as well that have been making some good plays. Um, so we got to keep an eye on those guys as well, because, um, let me see what, what the, what's the running back. Let me see what the running back, uh, breakdown is here for these teams on the green team. We'll have Byron Carwell, Nicholas Dunn, Aaron Smith, Ronaldo Spivy, Spivey Jr. And Noah Whittington. And then on the yellow team, we have Sean Dollars, uh, Kilo, uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher this Kiloana Hassan, Austin Ritter, uh, LaVon Llewellyn, and Ty Newkirk. So that's a little bit of a breakdown from the roster. So I'm glad that Sean Dollar's on the yellow team because it'll probably, like I said, with Ty being the quarterback, the lone scholarship quarterback on the green team, it'll give us a, a pretty good dose of carries from Sean Dollar's, which is which is fun to see. So 
that's what I had to say on the running backs. Um, let's see here. And then, man, we got to talk about the wide receivers. Maybe I can bring that tweet up as well to give you guys a rundown of, of what we're looking at from a roster standpoint with the wide receivers. So I'm just scrolling through Oregon Twitter. Give me a, give me a second here. Where, man, this is all right. Here we go. Green team wide receivers will be Cole Brosterhouse, Josh Delgado, Chase Coda, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, Von Reams, and Cade Wisher. And then on the yellow team, we'll have Isaiah Brevard, Isaiah Crocker, Michael Jennings, Justice Lowe, Seven McGee, Malachi Russell, and Dante Thornton Jr. So, again, a little bit of a roster rundown. A couple of guys in particular that I'm going to be paying a close eye on, paying close attention to rather, Troy Franklin, right? I think he he was really the talk, I think, to a degree of the spring game last year because he really announced himself. He was an early enrollee. He had some phenomenal diving catches uh, in that spring game. So look for him to continue his, his maturation and development, looking to put a little bit more weight on. I think both he and Dante Thornton have been making that a – main focus in the spring practice session. So we'll see what's going on with Troy Franklin. We, we really got to see him open it up a little bit more in that Alamo bowl. You remember that fading touchdown grab that he had in the corner of the end zone against Oklahoma. That was a thing of beauty without a doubt. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to say on Troy, just he he's definitely one of those weapons that was underutilized last season, but I think you could say that about just about anyone on this Oregon offense that wasn't a running back underutilized um so troy franklin we're going to see what he has in store and then dante thornton i think he's a big storyline for the ducks because he's put on six to seven pounds of muscle we saw some of those early pictures coming out of the first spring practice and he definitely looked like he was bulked up and he's looking to bring another level to his game in terms of physicality and and leadership he was saying that he kind of took it upon himself to emerge as a leader after the Ducks lost the likes of Jalen Red, Micah Pittman, Devin Williams, Johnny Johnson. All those guys are gone now. So a lot of players have raved about uh, Thornton, and, or maybe not raved, but they've talked about Thornton stepping up, being that leader that this wide receiver room needs. Um, and, and with the speed that he has, the size that he has at 6'5", his first touch as a college player went for a touchdown against Stony Brook. Granted, it's Stony Brook, but the dude has some wheels, and I'm going to – I'm going to be looking for him to play with more of that physicality that he talked about and just being a playmaker. Chase Coda, a native Oregonian from South Medford, a little bit of a homecoming of sorts. First time he'll be able to play inside Autzen Stadium in that green and yellow like his dad, Chad Coda, played in uh, all those years ago. But he has that unique role of being the veteran in the room and being a newcomer at the same time. Uh, another guy that's taller than I expected him to be when I saw him in person uh, we don't have that roster out just yet from a height and weight standpoint, but he's a tall guy. He's got some speed, and I'm feeling a lot better about the depth of this wide receiver room as it stands now in spring because of the additions of Coda. And then Justice Lowe is another person to talk about. And then Kyler Casper in 2023, now in 2022, he's going to be available to help the Ducks this upcoming season. So that room's getting deeper, and with that, the floor of the room is rising. So Justice Lowe is someone I'm going to have my eye on because he hasn't been playing football for too terribly long. He was a 
committed to Utah at one point, right? And then the Oregon staff comes in, he reopens his recruitment, and before long he becomes a duck as the new staff continues to emphasize getting some of the best talent in the state of Oregon and keeping that in the borders. But Dan Lanning was talking about Justice Lowe. It kind of felt like he was drinking out of a fire hose when he first got here. I think that was the quote that was going around. So he's looking a little bit more comfortable, running his routes more confidently, um, and, and just looks like he's a little bit more comfortable at the college level. So he's a guy who has some track background. So speed is definitely a theme with these wideouts, without a doubt. How could I not talk about Seven McGee? Chris Hudson, I'm excited about, but I feel like after seeing him come on at the end of last year, we really know what he what he has in store, what he brings to the table. He's at about 176 right now, uh, and he said that he's trying to get up to 190, 185, that range. So we'll have to keep an eye on how his body changes. But Seven McGee is, I think, the person that this offense that might be most excited about this new offense, right? Getting playmakers in space. That's something that just really comes to mind when you think about Seven McGee and the skill set that he has made the move from running back to wide receiver. He said that the hardest part of the transition has been all the running, which is funny. Uh, and then also just the blocking that comes with it, you know, standing in the slot and having to go up against those big backers. We saw he got blown up by Noah Sewell uh, in the in fall camp last year, but he, he's always a guy that has a smile on his face and he just wants to get it, get involved no matter how it is. And uh, he'll be involved in the spring game and the return game as well. Obviously he'll be involved in the spring game gotta slow down a little bit you know i think that's something that i'm trying to work on so appreciate you guys bearing with me on that but he's going to be involved in the return game particularly in the punt return we got seven mcgee chase coda chris hudson and josh delgado as well he's another guy that's been at oregon for a while i believe he came in the 2019 class and uh, really hasn't seen too much of the field since he got here so he's another person to talk about with those wide receivers trying to think if there's any other things i want to talk about with the oregon offense I'll be looking at that offensive line rotation, uh, see see who can kind of step up and, and fill that spot vacated by Stephen or by George Moore, rather, excuse me. But the tight ends as well. We talked to Maliki Machavau, Terrence Ferguson. Um, who else have we got to talk to? Spencer Webb. Sorry, it took me a second. And they've all, in, in some way, shape, or form, talked about how the tight end is going to be more utilized. It's really fun playing in this offense again and that they can really complement each other and stretch the field vertically. So the Joe Moorhead offense, I thought was going to use tight ends a lot more, but we didn't see it too, too much last year. So that's probably going to be a focus in, in this upcoming offense. And why would you not have those guys be a focus? And then that's, we haven't even mentioned uh, Cam McCormick, but he's been limited throughout spring ball. So we're not sure how much we'll see of him. And I don't believe Patrick Herbert was, uh, was, at practice during the media viewing portion on Thursday. So he's coming back from an injury as well. And got to figure he's another guy that the Duck fans are really anxious to see with him being a Eugene native coming out of Sheldon and just a huge dude. So tight ends, plenty to be excited about. We're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, we're going to be talking about the defense and some of the players and ideas that we're going to have our eye on when the Ducks take the field on Saturday at 1 p.m. at Autzen Stadium. Stick around. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in as we roll through our spring preview, spring game preview rather. I think one of the biggest questions that's probably on a lot of people's minds is will Justin Flo play? Justin Flo has been limited throughout the entirety of spring football, but particularly this week, we got to see a little bit of an uptick in what he was able to participate in. Saw him play in some of that 11 on 11 fastball period with the second group uh, on the defense, but he has been in trainers throughout the throughout this week, at least for sure. Um, so for people who don't know about trainers, it's different from a regular cleat and that it's completely flat. So you can't really plant and cut either way. Um, so he's still getting eased back in. I'm not really sure if we're going to see him play. If I, if I had to guess right now, I would, I would think he isn't just because you want to make sure, especially with a guy that has the injury history that he has, you want to ease him back into things and not really much benefit and, and rolling him out for the spring game if he figures to be one of the centerpieces of your offense alongside Noah Sewell. And then Noah Sewell could be someone to watch as well. I, I think he'll probably play. He uh, wasn't present at the Tuesday portion of media of wasn't present at the Tuesday portion uh, of practice that was open to the media. Dan Lanning said that he was simply under the weather and then he was back out there on Thursday. So Expect to see him, but I'm going to be looking as well at the defensive line for Oregon because a lot of Oregon's veteran defensive linemen, Popo Elmavai, Brandon Dorless, Keon Ware Hudson, those guys are all banged up and limited in the spring. And I don't think that anyone's expecting to see them play. So this is an opportunity for some of those younger guys to really step up and show what they have to work with. Sam Taimani, who comes over from Washington, that rivalry transfer, he's a big dude. He's listed at 6'2" and uh 320 330 range so he's he really has a chance to kind of cement himself as a contributor at least a rotational piece this upcoming season suava poti another guy that uh saw a little bit more uh playtime last year um after coming from saint john bosco so that's another really talented high school that i love to talk about on this on the podcast on youtube on ducks digest talking to prospects like mateo uyungo delay um, Ty Lee, Peyton Woodyard. Uh, so Ducks definitely have that school represented here. 
So how does that defensive line look, particularly along the interior with a lot of these guys out? Jake Shipley gets kicked inside after spending much of last year on the edge. And speaking of the edge, what's the Oregon pass rush going to look like? We're going to get our first taste of a post Kayvon Thibodeau era. I guess we got it in the Alamo Bowl, so let me backtrack that a little bit. But KT is not on the roster anymore, and generating the pass rush has to be one of the priorities for Oregon this season. Certainly, it would be nice to see some of that in the spring game. It'll be a little bit hard to gauge, understandably, seeing that the quarterbacks are not going to be taking any hits. Expect to see them donning those red jerseys. But obviously, you want to keep those guys up and don't want to risk any major injuries there. A couple guys that are prime candidates to emerge as Oregon's next pass rusher following Kayvon Thibodeau. We got Braden Swinson, who we saw plenty of last year. I think he he... I don't think he was as consistent as you maybe wanted him to be, but Dan Lanning says that one of the best things that has happened this offseason is that he feels like Braden's going to emerge from spring with a primary pass rush move. That's something that he's worked on with Tosh Lapoy, who coaches up the outside linebackers in addition to his defensive coordinator duties. So look for him as a pass rusher and, and hopefully taking that next step. And then another guy we have to talk about, DJ Johnson. Man, DJ Johnson is just a, a huge dude. I mean, that, that's the easiest way to describe him when you're looking at him at practices. He's going to be rocking the number two now. Um, not sure exactly where his body is at, because I think I talked in the past about he opened fall camp at 270, but looked way skinnier than that. So um, I'm kind of curious to see what his frame is actually listed at. But I think he's a prime candidate to just really be totally unleashed, just a freak athlete coming out of high school. And man, I think he is one of those guys when Tosh Lapoy got, got hired, he said, you know, I, I saw DJ and I immediately knew I wanted to get him on defense if, if Lanning was okay with that. Looking at Mace Funa, another veteran on this Oregon defense, Adrian Jackson, someone that the last staff was looking for more consistency from. He flashed a lot during the UCLA game in 2020, particularly late in the game. So how is he coming along in his development as far as just putting it all together and becoming that best version of himself? And then Trevin Maia, a guy who, who's another kind of, uh, I don't want to say gentle giant, but he's really quiet and he's a huge dude. I think he's probably around 6'5", 6'6", um, I don't know, maybe like 250-ish, that area. He, he's someone who saw more playtime last year after Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt, coming out of Bishop Gorman, another powerhouse program in the high school ranks. So can he take another step and, and just emerge so he's part of that outside linebacker, defensive line, defensive end, edge group. But I think those guys are, are primed to, to take a bigger step forward and, and help Oregon just get a more established pass rush. I don't think it's, it'd be great to come away from spring or at least the offseason with a star pass rusher. But what really hurt Oregon at, last, at times last year is that Kayvon Thibodeau was, one of the, was pretty much the only guy who could consistently rush the passer. I think if I'm an Oregon fan, I want this defense to have multiple guys that can do it consistently rather than just having a star. That linebacker core is absolutely loaded. You know, Justin Flo and Noah Sewer are going to be disruptive uh, coming up the middle on blitzes, but really, really want to see some production from those edge guys that I just mentioned there. And then the arguably the biggest question mark for this team on defense, in my opinion, has to be the cornerbacks. That room is super, super young. Uh, losing guys like Mikel Wright and uh, DJ James, who transferred out to Auburn. And then in the secondary, if you back it up a level, Verone McKinley is no longer here. So these these cornerbacks are are very, very young. You bring in Christian Gonzalez from Colorado. You figure that, best case, he can be a plug-and-play guy. 
And I think he can be, especially with his familiarity with Demetrius Martin. That's obviously something that really helps the Ducks. But Dante Manning is banged up, and he was looking like he was going to be someone that was really in prime position to take that maybe maybe not cornerback one, but certainly maybe cornerback two role for, for Oregon as the Ducks look for a, another lockdown corner. But he got hurt earlier a couple weeks ago in spring practice and has been sporting a heavy brace on his left leg, so I don't expect to see him. And then Triquez Bridges, who played a lot of cornerback last year as another rotational guy, he's actually been working with the safeties a lot. So we'll see if he plays some more cornerback on Saturday, but that room is very young, and they've got to get good in a hurry. Jaleel Florence comes in, that freshman out of San Diego, true freshman early enrollee out of Lincoln, San Diego. Huge win for Dan Lanning on the recruiting trail, holding off a late push from the USC Trojans and Lincoln Riley in Southern California. So Jaleel Florence, we're going to get our first dose of him into the green and yellow. On Saturday, you got young guys like Darren Barkins, who fans are going to get to race at halftime with a 10-yard head start in the 40-yard dash. I'm super excited to see that. That's just another side note here. I think Dan Landon and the staff are, are really just making this day super fun. Uh, just some things like that I feel like maybe we wouldn't really have seen under the previous staff at Oregon. But had to had to shout that out because Darren Barkins is going to be racing, and he really made a name for himself on the recruiting trail coming out of high school as one of the fastest defensive backs in all of California. And then, so got to have an eye on Darren Barkins, Avante Dickerson as well. He was an All-American coming out of Nebraska. Uh, you know, think about Devin Jackson as another fellow Nebraska native, a state that I don't think really gets a lot of praise on the recruiting trail, but some of those guys are going to have to step up at corner. Um, I think for Oregon, one of the topics I've talked about before is heading into this upcoming season, that receiver room, super young, but just, overflowing with talent this cornerback room is also very young and there's a lot of talent but I feel like if I want to be young at a position I would probably prefer wide receiver versus defensive back just a super difficult position to to get adjusted to and to play Um, one other note that might be worth noting was that Christian Gonzalez was limited in one of the practices that we saw earlier this week uh, sporting trainers but when Dan Lanning was asked about that he was saying that it was strictly precautionary and then Gonzalez did look like he was uh, doing more if not a full go on Thursday. So we're going to have to see how these guys look. And then Steve Stevens, he's a guy who got hurt last season and in that Colorado game, and then he didn't play the rest of the season. So it's been quite a while since we saw him. I believe he said it was a hamstring injury, but he's someone who's been at Oregon since 2018. I want to say he came in with Javon Holland. So super veteran guy played lots of football, uh, but he and Jamal Hill, Bennett Williams, they've got some more veteran flavor there and at the safety position. And then especially with Triquez moving back to safety and then Brian Addison, Triquez Bridges and Brian Addison, you've got tons of length at safety, tons of length, screams ball hawking skills is what you're hoping to see. Need someone to step into that role with Verone gone. And Brian Addison, to his credit, he had a really nice one-handed pick uh, of Ty Thompson earlier in spring ball, 6'5 guy. So plenty of guys to watch here. Uh, kind of guys shifting around the defense. Some people getting moved to new, new positions. Some people getting moved back to their original positions out of high school, like we see with Triquest Bridges. But that's kind of what I have for just looking through each level of the defense and some storylines to watch on defense, some guys to keep an eye on. But just as this event will be really big for the on-field product, we got to talk about recruiting. The Ducks will be bringing in a ton of talent 
Uh, some of them actually already came earlier this week on Thursday. Some of them are probably still here, but some people are coming in on Friday. So we're going to talk about some of these guys that are coming in, coming in after I take a sip of uh, some sparkling water. It's kind of weird because it's like it's helping me because my throat gets dry. But I also feel like I kind of have these weird hiccups for like I'm going to burp. So appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. So some of the headliners for the Ducks, we have a, a running visitor list on Ducks Digest. So make sure you guys go check that out. That's a free read of a lot of the high profile guys that are expected in Eugene. Um, Jaden Wayne has to be one of the highest profile guys coming in. Five-star defensive lineman from Lincoln High School in Tacoma, Washington in the 2023 class. He's been to Oregon multiple times since this new staff took over. Got to figure that's uh, one of those high-profile guys where geography is on Oregon's side, just coming down the I-5. Uh, he's made it a priority to get out here. Man, Jaden Wayne has been everywhere, though. He's taken visits to LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Washington. So um, I don't think that recruitment's too close to being over by any means. There's going to be some heavy, heavy competition, but that's someone that is very familiar with Oregon. Like I said, he's been here many times. The previous staff brought him in all the time as well. So he's talked really highly of Tosh Lapoy and Dan Lanning during the recruiting process. So awesome to get him back on campus, especially when USC is also holding their spring game. That's another Pac-12 school that's in the running in that recruitment. Staying in the state of Washington and really in the city of Seattle, Caleb Presley, the 2023 cornerback out of Rainier Beach High School, where the Ducks got Josh Connerly in the 2022 class. Caleb Presley is going to be on campus for the spring game. And then a little bit of a news update from Friday. Caleb Presley included Oregon in his top 12 schools. Let me see if I can pull these up here and then we'll get some of the other schools that are in the running here just to make sure you guys are up to speed. All right, here we go. Sharing my screen. Caleb Presley's top 12, Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Oregon, Stanford, Texas A&M, UCLA, USC, Utah, and Washington. So plenty of really good programs in the running here for Caleb Presley, but he's been a repeat visitor at Oregon for quite some time. He's very high on the Ducks, and you have to think that Oregon's in a great spot with him, especially with Demetrius Martin. He's one of the, the best developers of cornerback talent that there is, having so much experience in the Pac-12, but Caleb Presley is going to be here. He's an FSP guy. Ford sports performance and they were actually speaking of FSP there were some pretty big guys that were on campus pretty big names that were on campus yesterday we saw them coming through at practice and that is Jason Brown who's a five-star running back in the 2024 class out of O'Day and then his teammate offensive lineman five-star Isendre Afua hopefully I'm saying that okay he's the number one interior offensive lineman in the 2024 class so no shortage of massive names coming through Eugene. Afu has also been to Alabama and, and to some other high-profile programs, but a couple other big names to keep an eye on that are going to be in town this weekend. We have David Hicks, a five-star defensive lineman out of Texas. He told me he's going to be here. Ducks definitely need to get back to the state of Texas. Um, Matt Pallage is, is really leading the way, I think, there in that those recruiting efforts, but Seeing that he's a defensive lineman, you got to figure Tony Tuioti has been involved in there as well. Uh, another big name that a lot of Oregon fans 
know very well at this point is Jurion Dickey, a 2023 wide receiver out of Valley Christian High School, the same high school where the Ducks got Byron Marshall. Uh, uh, he is from East Palo Alto, but that is in the Bay Area. Uh, so I always get excited. You can see my, my 408 hat up there. Uh, always get excited when guys from the Bay come to visit. He's been a frequent visitor for Oregon. He came to Oregon back in January. Uh, and then in March, he was kind of cruising by. That was a, a very quick visit. But right now, I think the Ducks are in an awesome spot with Jerry Dickey. I, I've talked to him multiple times. He's very, very close with Junior Adams, who's another Bay Area native. So that relationship has been great. Uh, definitely have to figure that he was an important target for the Ducks to pick up on after Ryan McClendon was getting things started under the previous regime. And right now, I think the biggest threat to Oregon for Jerion Dickey has to be the SEC. Sources I talked to about Dickey told me that Florida has been getting involved in this recruitment, and they're actually planning to come out to the West Coast to see him soon. So this is definitely a guy that you got to keep recruiting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys that I feel like is a little bit more likely to commit to Oregon. I'm not going to say that's my prediction right now because it doesn't sound like he's very close to wrapping up his recruitment, but he's someone that's been high on the Ducks for a long, long time, and it's always great to get him back on campus. Another big name that's going to be in town is 2022 Oregon wide receiver signee Kyler Casper out of Williams uh, Williams Field High School in Arizona. That was one of the, that was probably the most recent big recruiting storyline for Oregon. The fact that he reclassified from 2023 to 2022 is huge. Can't emphasize that enough. But there's a number of guys. Uh, we also have Cole Martin coming in in the 2023 class. He's the first guy that committed to Oregon in that class. But I wouldn't be surprised if we had more 2022 signees that aren't enrolled early that are coming. Uh, Sir Mel's is here. I believe Ben Roberts is coming. Um, but just why wouldn't you get those guys on campus? This and Saturday Night Live are the biggest recruiting events of the year for Oregon. So definitely would be a big win for them if they were able to, to snag a commitment or two out of this weekend to help snowball some of that momentum. Really want to get most of the 2023 guys that you're really high on uh, in the fold if you can, either in the spring or in the summer. And then that way, when the season rolls around, you can focus on the on-field product. And then some of those five-star guys that want to draw this thing out through the whole process or even past the traditional recruiting deadlines, as we just saw with Josh Connerly. So staff's done a great job managing all that. And you just really want to create momentum uh, when you're coming out of this spring game. Uh, one person that we should definitely talk about is actually someone who isn't coming. And that's five-star Pittsburgh, California quarterback, Jaden Rashada. That was the plan for him. The plan was rather to get out to Eugene for the spring game. He was here back in January and uh, got to spend a lot of time with Kenny Dillingham, just get on the chalkboard and talk some football. He spoke very highly about that when I spoke about spoke to him after that visit. So Oregon's in a good spot there. But, man, there are a lot of big schools that are turning up the heat with Jaden Rashada on the recruiting trail. Miami is one of them. He took a visit out to Miami not too long ago. Um, and then you also got Arkansas and the big school right now to watch is Ole Miss because that is the school that he is visiting this weekend, going out for his first official visit for the Grove Bowl, I think. Excuse me. The Grove Bowl, I think, is what they call their spring game. So that's huge. That's a huge development. I'm not saying it's a crucial blow to Oregon's chances, but with with all the guys that have already committed at quarterback, it, it really feels like 
he's one of those few top, top tier guys that is still available on the board. And the Ducks have a great shot with him. Looking at Ole Miss, they got Matt Corral, who was another West Coast guy, California guy out of Long Beach Poly, who went to the SIP, as they call it. I don't know the full story behind that, but they call it the SIP. Balled out for Lane Kiffin. And he definitely has a reputation as a very highly regarded play caller in college football. So you can see some of the appeal there without a doubt. And then Arkansas, led by Sam Pittman. He's he's a, a, a guy that has his program in the mix with a lot of high-profile guys. Um, and yeah, I think Josh Pate was saying people are picking Arkansas when they have really high-profile options. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, I think, is someone to, to keep that kind of fits that description, high-profile high recruit that transferred out of Oklahoma. Uh, so speaking of quarterback recruiting, uh, he's not expected to be here this weekend, but it's reported that uh, five-star 2023 quarterback Dante Moore is expected on campus in Eugene for his official visit next weekend. That's great news for Oregon, especially with this new Rashada development. I think Rashada is still probably the top target at quarterback, maybe the top target in this whole class for Oregon in 2023, but certainly helps when you don't get Rashada on campus to get another big name, especially at the quarterback position that's supposed to be headed out here next weekend. Moore is also a five-star quarterback. But he's been taking some big visits to Florida and uh, Georgia, and he looks like right now a lot of people perceive him as a Notre Dame lean. But, man, we've seen it before. Oregon gets a guy on campus, and and the ball can get rolling very, very quickly here. So I just posted a recent story about Oregon's quarterback hot board, the latest with kind of their top options at quarterback over on Ducks Digest. So make sure you guys go check that out. That's a free read as we turn up all the recruiting flavor here on the Ducks Dish podcast and over on the site at Ducks Digest, constantly rolling out recruiting interviews, visit updates, and uh, trying to get more intel. That's what we're going for. So that's about all I have for this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Solo, solo episode, but man, plenty to be excited about with the spring game. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. However you're tuned in, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk some Ducks with us. Friendly reminder to lock in with us on the social platforms. Like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And please do us a favor, give us a high review if you uh, if you so choose, if you think that we deserve that, and uh, share it with other Duck fans. You know, share, steal their phones and subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast. Uh, I'm not promoting stealing by any means, but, you know, just swipe their phone and, and, you know, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. It's all in good fun, but I'm rambling a little bit. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Ducks Dish podcast. We will see you tomorrow, Saturday at Autzen. I'm going to try to kind of roam the, the Twitter spaces meetup if I can. So if you guys see me, definitely say hi and let's talk some Ducks. Would love to meet some people. But that'll do it on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you later. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.